So how do you properly say your name? How do, okay, how do I properly say my name? Yeah. Uh, as, in, as in Kira. Yeah, yes. I, wanted the, I wanted the full thing. I knew it was full Kira, name. but... So, okay, so my Irish, my name, to, to pronounce my name in, in Askelga. To pronounce my name Askelga is Kira Nguyen. So uh, my, the, it, it, that would, the Anglican version is Kira Dunn. But I go by Kira Nguyen because that is, you know, t- my heart is all about Ireland. And then I married an Italian, and so I really complicated things and went with Kira Panacchia, which is always a mouthful. So people, people hate when they see my name come up on the screen. They hate it because it's uh, <laughs> man, <laughs> we gotta tackle this. So somebody said, "This is Kira." Like, sure, we just we just pronounced your first name, so we go by Kira. And I'm like, that was well, that was very sweet associated with Cher. So I'll take it. I'll take it. So yes, Kira. <laughs> like Knightley. I tell people like Kira Knight, like Knightley, not like oh, Sierra. Yeah, Kira Knightley. It's a good one. It's a good one. Kira's story is a remarkable example of the power of the American dream. She rose from humble beginnings in a small Irish town, despite facing a variety of adversity. But her passion, creativity, and tenacity led her to become a successful author and illustrator, connecting her native language to other Irish immigrants. Kara's inspiring journey from a small village to a bridge of culture and art is a testament to the power of ambition and hard work. Listen and celebrate her incredible story with us. Enjoy the show. Where are you from originally? I am from a small town in Ireland named Carlo, also named Carlock, built on four lakes. My parents own a bed and breakfast in Carlo. They have for over 20 years. So I spent a lot of time running around at Ben Breakfast in my youth. I learned a lot about serving people there with my parents. And then in about 98, I met Kevin, who was from the south side of Chicago. And yes, a Sox fan, but a Chicago fan at heart. <laughs> Hold on, did you meet him? him. <laughs> did you, I don't know the story. Did you meet him in Ireland? I met him in Ireland. He was over there for the summer oh. and ended up staying on for four years. And then he came back here and eventually he got his act together and invited me over and proposed. And I said no, because he had to ask my parents. So he flew back to, because I was the first one to, to be asked <laughs> to get married. So they told him he actually had to go and ask my parents before I can officially say yes. So he saved his money and flew to Ireland and then proposed in Ireland that year. Wow. And then I came over in, I came over in 2000 and I'm trying to think now, doing my math, 2004. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm in the U.S. since 2004, and I am now a fully-fledged voting citizen. Congratulations. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> For reasons. <laughs> For big reasons. I really, so many I really reasons. Reason. Yeah, so, so many, many reasons. reasons. Yeah. Mostly because I wanted, I, I wanted to remain in the country with my kids. But I, had, I was over on a green card up until a couple of years ago, and then I've been just moving around Illinois ever since and landed in, in Warrenville where I'm surrounded by beautiful forest preserves. And my youngest one thinks we live in a forest because there are so many trees. Uh, oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, I'd love to know, what was Ireland like for you as a kid? You, you Did your parents always have the bed and breakfast or did they get did they start it when you were still a kid? Or how did that work? So it's, it's actually interesting. My parents are great examples of humans who want to have faith and acts of service. Uh, to this day, like as I spoke to my mom today and she was telling me about things she was doing, I'm like, this woman is just a powerhouse of service. 
But when we were younger, my mom was a hairdresser and my dad was in construction. And it's interesting because we grew up, I, I didn't think of it at the time until obviously I'm much older, but we grew up poor. We didn't know we were poor. We had no idea we were <laughs> poor because our my parents never missed Christmas. But it wasn't until I was older that they told us that one of our aunts who didn't have kids had on many occasion offered to pay for our Christmas presents. And, uh, and it, it, that was a big insight for me on, on how my parents, regardless of what was going on in their life, what they wished for us in our lives and to never have it impacted. So that was, that's always been, all the way, always been the way. And then at one point, my dad bought a piece of property just, just down shy from our, our own home in Larkfield. And he, he being in construction, got money together and started to build a, a B&B within I want to say two years it was fully functional and, and they, they, they opened up the B&B because they need to start earning money and we would shift <laughs> around to each room as each room was getting done but they've been running the B&B now over 20 years and they have some really good reviews if anybody wants to go check them out on booking.com <laughs> okay so hold on so so let me get this straight so you feel like you grew up poor Oh no, we did. Okay, it wasn't so. like, it felt like you grew up poor. No, we did grow up poor. And then, um, so your so how did your parents? So they built the Airbnb. They no, they built the, the yeah, they built, they built B&B. B&B. Sorry, it's um, branding. Yeah, no, yeah, branding, right? They yeah. built no, they built the B&B, and my mom had a hair salon in the B&B so that she could still do hair and run a B&B because they were, were worried about how are we going to get this running? Like, how are we going to keep doing it? But my dad gave up drinking when we were kids. So they didn't drink or smoke. We didn't have any big luxuries. So they, they saved their money. They were both worked a lot. I'll never forget when my mom and we would go over to the salon because the salon was on, on our house. You know, it was just they converted my dad converted the garage into a, a salon for my mom. And anyone who has a hairdresser for a parent will know that they will go and work and we would like sweep up and wash hair and stuff like that. We would also be helpful. But it was it, we we. I mean, hand-me-downs were hand-me-downs. You all, like, I still have my, my eldest hand-me-downs, but we didn't know. We didn't know that we were poor. Hmm. And you know, some I, not to say that Ireland is wealthy. Ireland is not a wealthy country. There was a lot of people who were poor around us, but we didn't know that we didn't. There was times. There was a time that my mom had made twenty pounds because it wasn't yours at the time. It was twenty Irish pounds, and she'd given me money to go shopping, and I got distracted and I put the shopping down and I forgot it and we did not have a dinner for that night because I lost the shopping I was devastated because I I knew how much and how far 20 pounds went for my family Mm. wow thanks for sharing that story so let's talk about I mean creativity then so here you are in Ireland Yep. your your kids your Mom and dad start this business, right? Yep. Two businesses, right? So, yep. She was, she, well, they, they never quit. My dad never quit construction. My mom never quit hairdressing. Oh, wow. So they so had they three were, jobs. Yeah. They were, okay. and, and, and us. Yeah. <laughs> and us. Uh, yeah. But we were all in. Everyone was helping. We would get up and do breakfast. We would clean and we would do the rooms. It was, it was an all family get together contribution in, in an effort to keep the business going. And, and running smoothly and not murdering each other as siblings while there was guests in the house. Yeah. As, as, as young siblings might do. So uh, how did, well then share with me, how did creative show up in your life? Was that something you did on the side? Was that something that encouraged by your parents? 
I so it's funny. I I often have this conversation with my husband because of you know when you when you decide to tell your family, well, I want him to go into the arts. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, sweet Kira, what about anything else? But they didn't. You know, I I had a couple of avenues. I thought about either going into social social care, uh, the guardie, which would be the police, because I love problem solving. So I thought I would love to problem solve cases. That'd be great. But I also was, I think my creative I got from both my parents. My dad, it's interesting when I when I look at and listen to my dad, you can always see his brain is churning <laughs> and he's thinking about new projects to do. And it's either it's always with stuff with his hands. And the same with my mom. My mom was great at home decorating and flowers and hair. So they're both were very creative people. But in the avenues they took, it just showed up differently. Right. So when I started to get an interest in art and I would do these small competitions in the local paper and I would submit work and I submitted something for Amnesty and I won an award up and, and I got to go to Dublin and, and see my, my stuff up there. And I thought, man, this is, I like this. I mean, this is, it's part of who I am, but more so in school, I really struggled with languages, hmm. really struggled with languages. So is that, is that because you talk funny? That's because it's, yes, 100%. See, I mumble. I had to get one in there. It's been so long. I had to get one in I know. There. I know, but for the longest time, and no joke, I thought your last name was Ahern because Ahern is, was the Irish prime minister. But my dyslexic brain kept on switching up the E on the R in, in, um, in your name. So at the time, the Irish prime minister of Ireland and is also has a daughter who's a famous Irish writer. I think she wrote P.S. I love you. And so I, I was like, I, every time I seen your name, it was a hern to me. And I'm like, and, and no, and I like you said, and I'm like, but it looks, but I kept on switching in, in my mind. I kept switching it. <laughs> um, so as a dyslexic, it was really challenging in school for yeah. me because, you know, I, everything was, it was not, me- I, I was measured by the success of my peers. So when I remember being in class and they, you know, you had to write in pencil until you could write in pen. And I was one of the last kids <laughs> to be told I could write in pen because my writing was so terrible. I'll never forget. I didn't have an eraser and somebody looked at me, are you so poor that you can't afford an eraser? And I'm like, kids are mean. Oh, mean. that is horribly mean. mean. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, that was, you know, it showed up very early for me as a young person. And I don't think there was enough resources at the time in the early 80s in Ireland to identify people who were neurodiverse or were dyslexic and and. And, and, you know, you still had to learn Irish. So it was a real struggle to learn Irish mm. and English. And you knew in your brain that you weren't stupid, but everything around you made you feel inferior to everybody else. And at one time, I remember I got math at one time that clicked. And I had, because we had to, we had to sit with our, like, law of a tape here. So your hands behind your back in class. And I remember, like, I was all the way in the back of the class and the teacher was, was asking questions. I kept raising my hand because I, I knew the answers. And she was like, Kira. Are, are, are these answers written in your book? And I'm like, my hands are behind my back and the book is closed. I'm like, no, no. But it was such a, a soul-crushing experience to have people continually doubt you because you didn't show up the same way as everybody else. Mm. And so my parents fostered that. They didn't, you know, they, they seen that Kira works hard and, and she may not be successful here, but there are other strengths that she has. And they really fostered that in me, even though and they, their biggest fear for all of their kids was that we would struggle as much as they did to make their way because they chose difficult paths. Construction in Ireland was difficult. My dad was a pastor. He was a plaster. I can't say it now, but he would he would plaster walls. And it was mm-hmm. the technique watching him do that. And like, I'm like, it was just it's like ASMR, visual ASMR, because it was like just watching the watching it all go on the walls and like seeing how he would even it out. And I'm like, it was just amazing. It was yeah, such it's a craft. Time. 
it's total oh, craft. Yeah, yeah, total craft. And then the same my mom, like how much she struggles as a hairdresser at the time in Ireland when all of these like bigger salons, like um, you have like a Vita here, I think like those like really nice salons that, you know, you pay a pretty penny to go to. That was my mom. My mom was a small shop. And so they were always worried that we wouldn't be, that we would have to work as hard as they did. Hmm. And nobody wants that for their kids. You want them to know what hard work is, but right. not the whole life. And I, I picked the wrong industry <laughs> for <laughs> hard work because creative is hard work. But I knew very early on what my vocation was. And I remember I went to, I was in Croatia. I was after going through a, 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 an illness in my life and my mom wanted me to go to Croatia and have an experience in Medjugorje. And I had a great experience on a spiritual retreat there. And somebody asked me, because I was drawing and doodling, uh, you know, there. Somebody asked me, so what's your vocation? And I, it, I'm like, what does vocation mean? And because I was at the time, I was like 15 or 16 years of age. I'm like, what does vocation mean? Because vocation to me, I always thought was what priests and nuns do. And I'm like, well, no, that's not it. <laughs> not, that, not, that, not that they didn't try and sign me up when I was 12 or 13. I mean, I, I always, I, I have a, a fondness for my nuns and, and my hermits and my monks. I have, I have my favorite, some of my favorite people are Capuchins. And, but when I was, when I was there, it was a radio, it was a radio host had asked me like, what's your vocation? And I said, is it, and he said, well, you like art. You must, that must be something that you want to do. And I'm like, Actually, yes, it is. It is. It is something they want to pursue. And so, in Ireland, we have um, uh, we when we go to secondary school, we go from first year to sixth year. Mm. And there's in that there's a transition year called fourth year, and it's a transition year at the time used to be considered a DAS year. Now it's not, and there's some really great initiatives in Ireland now with transition year where we can do work experience or come up with product designs and stuff like that. And there's a there's the the big idea mentorship, which is a program that I participated in last year, even though I was here, I did it. And we review all these pro- projects that transition year students do to that either are culturally relevant, have to do with sustainability or mental health in Ireland. And seeing what like what's next for our next generation of of big thinkers and entrepreneurs, I decided to skip that year. I'm like, I'm not I'm not doing fourth year. I'm skipping it. <laughs> and so I, I skipped an entire year with all of my other friends too because I knew that I wanted to go into design, and I had to figure out if I wanted to do visual arts or design communication or illustration. And I'm like, well, what's <laughs> what is the thing that I can do that I can work at and still make money? And so I decided decided to head down down to Waterford and do design communication. I'd worked my portfolio, and that's where I, that's where I ended up for my my stint. My mm. and when I, I never forget the first day, the first day our our lecturer showed up, Nicola, and she sat us all down and she said, "I just want you to know that you will eat, sleep, and drink this for the rest of your life. And if you're not ready to do that, <laughs> there's the door." Wow! And she wasn't joking. She wasn't joking. <laughs> We would have, so if student night was on a Wednesday or Thursday night, our review, like our class review, our project review would be nine o'clock the next morning. Oh, that's, and so that's cruel. Oh, yeah. If you were not serious about being there and you were going out on the student night when everyone else was going out on student night, then you were gone. And, I, and by the end, of the end of the first year, we were already down five people. Oh yeah, it ended up being a real small class by the time we left. <laughs> real small. I often say it to people, and people think I'm crazy because they don't think I sleep. And I'm well, that's because of kids. I actually sleep like a medieval person. Apparently, I have I, I wake up 
if I fall asleep with a tiny human and I wake up at 10 and then I'm up till two uh, and it's not on purpose it was just for some reason I got in, into the in, into the way of like if my brain keeps going I need to put it down see it, on see it through yeah yeah it needs to be done if it doesn't because if, if it's not done I'll just be like spooling around in my head for the entire night and then then it's just just impossible to rest ah that's, that's there's a so lot. many that was a whole, <laughs> a whole there, bunch of- yeah there's a lot of good stuff there so just to level set you're going to school right and then somewhere in there you met your husband mm-hmm. and then came to the u.s yep what and that's all over again and, and then so you know kind of what was your degree in design illustration or yeah no my degree was in design and okay. then when i came and i had worked so i'd worked for ryanair in ireland which is kind of like southwest here and if you've been to the if you've been to europe and you've taken like a, a discounted flight. You probably took Ryanair. I worked there for a spell, and then I did some freelancing in the UK and London with some friends of mine who were there. And then I worked for a few boutique agencies in Ireland. And I also worked for in-house in-house for a cattle company, which was a lot of fun. So I had like a really broad experience before I came to the US, but no real idea of what I needed to do to get a job working for a design firm in Chicago. That was was not prepared for that at all. What were the, I mean, what were the biggest differences? Well, the boutique, the boutique, the boutique stuff is, is the same as it is everywhere. But I think the big agency is not something that I know I, I wasn't ready for. I was lucky enough to, I was working for a B2B, a B2B place in Burridge for quite some time. And I really enjoyed it. And that's where I actually started because it wasn't long after that, that I started illustrating books. And some of that had got to do with, with the, the downturn in 2008. And I was doing a lot of HTML5 and Flash and emails. I was feeling very unfulfilled in, in my creative endeavors because I was, I was doing the work for others, but I wasn't doing the work for myself. Hmm. And I needed to have a creative output. And then the idea that not being in Ireland and having a toddler and missing out the opportunity of her experiencing my language. And even though I'm not fluent in Irish. I can get by enough. But when somebody sends me an email in Irish, I'm like, it's going to take me a minute. I came up with the idea of developing multilingual books. Because I wanted being in the US, I thought, well, there's probably a lot of Irish parents in in, in Ireland and in the US who who have family in Ireland and want to to have the ability to teach Irish and maybe Spanish and German or, or Spanish and French. And I decided that I was going to create the books and then pitch them to somebody in Ireland while all the, all the time while working in, in Burridge. And that started to develop my love for illustration, as well as just knowing that, you know, I, I seeing stuff that I was creating and doing it and, and seeing it come to life and it was mine and I could own it. And it was something that I had control over. I'm not a control freak, but when it comes to work, <laughs> I do like to have some type of control, especially when it's my own pet project. And it, it, and from there, when I, when I went and I pitched it to somebody, they decided, this is great. This will do really well in Ireland. Can you do? And, and then I, I, I pitched three more books. So I, I developed, ended up developing six kids books, all multilingual books with a publisher in Ireland. And since then, I've done a TV series in Ireland and I'm now working on, um, I just finished six Irish videos. There's a, a, a woman like a, similar to myself 
after my own heart. She's a teacher and she's a mom of two kids and she is a musician and a composer and she came up with an idea for some beautiful kids songs, Askelga. She's seen my books and reached out, even after 13 years, she's seen my books that are still in Ireland. <laughs> and uh, she reached out and said, would you be interested in developing? First, it was a CD cover and it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. And I I forwent the fee for the CD covers and donated it to the Franciscans, the Capuchins in Dublin, who were serving at the food pantry. So that's once I got my email to say that they donated the fee and I'm like, that's great. And I thought that was the end of it. And then she came back and says, Kira, I got funding for videos. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> great. All right, well, let me, let me just stop you there because you like ran right into my next four questions. That's great. <laughs> sure, sure. So you're doing your, your web work, your design work. You have this idea to, to develop a book. And I love how you just say, oh, yeah, I pitched a book and now I've done a bunch of books. It's not that easy. Or was no, it for it, you? It, no, well, Ireland is, is much, Ireland is much smaller than the U.S. So getting in with the right person was much easier than getting like going to the website and, and submitting just a book idea. But finally, yeah, you know, I, I did. I found the right person who, one, took an interest in seeing that there was an opportunity in a market for it. Um, and thankfully in Ireland, you're not just relying on your own company, but there's a lot of funding. So you can apply for funding. So a lot of the books, they will apply for the funding. And he, they were able to get all of these people, all the projects I worked on were funded in some way by by projects within the governments or within the educational system in Ireland. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so I mean, it's it's it's... A lot of them are, are self-starters or small companies and small businesses that, and then other people who have these ideas, they, you know, like I said, they, they get funding for it because they want to keep Irish language alive and well and part of the, the bigger system. And to do that, you also have to bring fun to Irish language and not yeah. just have it as part of the educational system. Well, was it, I mean, that's amazing that they do that, number one. But number two, yeah, how, how great is it? So not only you wrote them, right? Yep, and then yep. you illustrated them, and yep. then you also were able to design and put the book together. Yeah, yes. no, you're not at all a control freak. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but it's no, an advantage. No. I'm, I'm sure it's an advantage for the publisher to have all three in one. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. Also, drive and grit. A lot yeah. of grit. But, you know, and again, it goes back to my parents. You know, watching your parents work so hard and and put so much into you and the effort that you want, and then the drive that you either. You, not to say that you you can't develop drive or you if you, you don't have drive i i think i have um i've just mounds of it <laughs> pull it from both of my parents i'm a very driven person to a fault like it is a problem it's a problem because there goes the dog it can be a problem when i have some random ideas and i think like this is gonna be great i should totally do this and you're like slow down take a breath and let's assess what you should be doing yeah which is often the case. Like sometimes I really need to think, I think it's a great idea, but then I got to pause and see, is it a viable idea? But I, I think, I, you know, I, I love, I love color. Not that I'm wearing a lot of it today, but I do love color. How would you describe your illustration style or your influence to, to the illustration? I don't want to assume it's Irish led, right? Mm -hmm. Or so how would you describe that? Oh my goodness. Um, well, right. So there's the dark, the work that I do for myself, which is a lot of like figuring out what brings me joy. So one of the things that I, I learned from Lila Rogers, who is a great artist rep, and she's also a teacher. She does this great course 
online that I've taken a couple of times because I was trying to figure out what my style was. I know what I liked. And as a designer, <laughs> I like a lot of things, right? I like I like a lot of genres. I like a lot of styles. Uh, I like form and function and cleanliness. And then I like craziness. So it would always, it would always be like a range of like, just as you talk about when we're coming up, when we're doing design work, how do we you know what is the right direction to take for this? But when you think about what is the direction I want to take for myself or what is the thing that I like to do? What are the things that I buy? She always, always would say this thing like, well, what's the thing that brings you joy? Like do the things that bring you joy, which is why I, you know, I headed in, got into design and, and headed in that direction. But doing, drawing the things that bring you joy is not because you can, e I easily default into the things that I know that I do versus things that when I look at things and I see textures and colors and, and organic shapes and stuff like that and, and grittiness that in, in, a, in an image, I'm like, well, I didn't do that, but that's the thing that I want to do. And I'm continually always developing that creative tool because sometimes I'll say, well, this is okay. You know, it, the, the perfect is the enemy of good. And, and, but there's a lot of times that we just accept we accept what we want. We, we we accept what we done because we need to put it down, and so it, it's. It, I'm still developing my style, but I, you know, when I think of the influences, that they're everywhere. There's a beautiful studio in Ireland. Well, there's there's a lot of animation coming out of Ireland. There's brown bag films, and then there's Cartoon Saloon in Kilkenny. Cartoon Saloon in Kilkenny. I've done the Breadwinner on Netflix. They did Wolf Walkers, Song of the Sea, and The Secret of Kells. And they used a particular animation style and a, and a painterly style. It's a, from a French company that developed it, but it's all, you can do it all in the animation. And it's really the brushstrokes and textures and just the small details and things are just, it tells a story itself. When you see the details, nothing's flat. And I think that's what I love about some of the work is that you even even as I, as I look at the work that my daughter develops now, because she wants her goal in life is to intern at this studio in Kilkenny. And she's she's constantly because I bought the books, I bought the books so she can see how the stories were developed and the artwork and everything like that. And there is just so much like they use watercolors and pencils and a mix of mediums. And I, I don't know what it is about it to see the things that you can get lost in sometimes. But knowing how the mastery and detail that went into those things the choiceful decisions that were made and those things I love those things inspire me regardless of there's I think there's a, a nun I seen recently sister Maria who she left she left being a nun but she was also an, very much a social artist and developed a lot of work that was done I, I knew I didn't know anything about her but then I'd seen her work I'm like look at that color and look how, yeah. how actual the lines are and Yet I can still, I, what, what I love about Chicago is all the Bauhaus, I, you know, and the Frank Lloyd Wright influence. And so it's always been very hard to like whittle down the things that I like to see. But I know a lot of it is tied to looking at it and thinking about just the story that went into develop, like the little curves on the stone and, and the waves that showed up there. I, I cannot recommend enough to anybody who's had the time to sit down and just watch pause the scene on on some of those mm. movies from Cartoon Salon because it's just just stunning visual artwork that you would really appreciate aside from the stories the stories are great but because well, I because yeah I look at your I look at your work and I'm on it right now actually I see you know graphic design influence just with some of the form but then it feels very whimsical to me 
but also just so like childlike wonder is what I think about when I look at your illustration. How does that resonate with you? Does that childlike wonder? Yeah. I mean, I think that's when we had kids 11 years apart because I'm still have a reason to watch Disney. There is definitely escapism when it comes to that, those stories and an innocence and joy that can be found in those things because uh, in childhood, in its purest form, there is so much innocence and joy and learning and possibility, right? That's what we want when we think of entrepreneurial mindsets and the idea that we can still save the world from climate change. If we didn't have the dreamers and people who thought of what is possible, taking humidity and turning it into water. Mm. We didn't have the people who thought of those big things of what is possible and was told no, then we wouldn't have those big stories. Every time I go home, I swear I come back with a notebook of story ideas that, I, that I'm like, I've got this idea that I want to submit and then I've got this idea. That I, I have like a, a running list of things that are 80% complete and one that is 20% started because the idea of myth, even though I'm grounded, even though I'm pretty grounded, myth and magic and wonder has always been part of my life, whether that was because of my parents or my love of movies and stories and just getting lost in music and daydreaming. And I think that's where some of the, uh, my kids say I'm bored. I'm like, that is the best thing you can be right now. Mm. Be bored, be bored and think of what's possible. I love that. Well, so it sounds like Ireland is definitely a, a muse for you. Oh yes. Oh yeah, definitely. And then from a process standpoint, what comes first? Like, do you think of an idea and a story and then the illustration, you know, evolves in your mind or is it the other way or is it both? So similar, similar to design, right? When we look for the human truths, right? We look for the idea of like, what is the human truth in this situation? And so whether that, you know, we're trying to change a behavior or create a behavior or just be disruptive, with somebody the same I think is is can be said for storytelling and the and the ideas of some stories when I whether that's inspired by my kids or inspired by a challenging situation or something of wonderment that you know like oh my god that's so wonderful but I had an idea for a story based off like well Ellie's books was was that was the idea for my you know for my youngest my, my youngest one is Eliana and when I did the six books, they were inspired by wanting to teach Irish. And then in more recent years, I had an idea of like a choose your human. And we, so a couple of years ago, our dog went missing and we had to go find another dog. It was, we were devastated at the time. As we, it, as we went to look for a dog, it was, well, not this one. And no, not this one. Hmm. And we found our dog and she found us. And so I thought the idea of like choosing your human, a dog's guide to choose your human. And because it's, it was the idea behind it is how to teach small humans, how a dog can choose them. And use it as a tool to educate them about getting down the ground and sniffing with them and giving their hand. And so that you can teach a child about choosing a dog or how the dog can choose them and be part of the family because after all the dogs we met, we still went back to the same one because that was, we were her people and she was our dog. And I think that when, and so I think in, in that instance, that, that again, that was a human experience. That was human insight that sometimes they choose us as much as we choose them. 
so there's there's been a couple of those things where it's the behavior or the experience or watching an experience like my that my kids have and and being inspired by a journey and then how can I switch that into either a positive learning right because we don't want everything to be sad we want to figure out how can we and we can't fix it either but we can learn from things and I think that's where when I see some of the situations that they've had and the challenges they've had I'm like what can we learn from this mm. and what what can what can be the north star if this was a story what could be the north star and the outcome what's what's the possible outcome and can we give somebody hope if if we change the narrative of that could be negative I think that again like like I said stories it's, it's possibility and hope right that's where we want to end we, we, we don't want to end everything on a sad note even though sometimes there are sad endings yeah well i want to get back to a philosophy question in a second but oh, before God. that no it's it's lightweight it's nothing <laughs> lightweight yeah uh, so you've you did your books and then you were talking about your your books and also other things that you've created are now shows what else yeah Yep. Uh, I, uh, um, Bobo Baby, uh, Bibi August Bella, which is, was an Irish language TV show. And then the current one that I'm working on is Picnic Teddy, uh, which is, like I said, it's, it's, it's from a teacher who developed a bunch of beautiful songs. And I love them. And they're a lot of fun. And she's currently going to, she's actually going to be on an interview on Irish television on TG Cahar uh, pretty soon, which I know most people are like, what did she just say? She said TG Cahar which is television four <laughs> so because Cahar being four and so she's going to be on that pretty soon and we worked on six animated songs together and I worked with so when when I worked on the tv series a couple of years ago I met a guy who used to work for Disney in Paris and so his journey as a creative he studied in Dilneary College in animation he had his show at the end of the like, end of the year and got invited to go to Disney Paris to work in an animation studio in Disney Paris and then he came back to Ireland and then he started doing uh, freelance uh, or, or I should say they would do projects right so when you do an animation project you're on work with that studio for the length of the project and so he got roped into doing a couple things and then once this came up I'm like well nuts who am I gonna I, I, I'll reach out to Rob and see if he wants to participate in this project and he did and so the three of us the teacher the um Irish illustrator living in the US and then the animator who's also another student teacher all got together to develop a little animated series of songs for other teachers in Ireland and parents to play for their kids to educate them about Irish. So and so she's also developing a 19-page book <laughs> that wow. I've been that I've been roped into. But so let me let me ask this, this process because you know I know you you're, you went from book artist to then you know animator basically. So did yeah. did you supply flat art and then they animated it? Did you? How did that work? The gift of layering. So it went on really, it was, and I, and I eventually bought myself an iPad. I was able to do a lot of stuff on the fly and traveling on commutes to and from the city when I was working I would I would start doing my characters on the iPad so that I could I had a mobile I had a mobile studio the only thing that the animator taught me was just the for the joints like how to develop and layer the joints so they could add movement because it was all going to be 2D versus 3D renderings so when you say joints you're actually talking about break points and illustration so they could do things yeah okay great for the rigging yeah for the rigging Um, it was like a baptism of fire like sure you can figure this out I'm like I am willing to figure this out because I'm very <laughs> interested in doing this project. But it was definitely an experience 
and everything is a learning experience. And I think I have been very fortunate and very lucky and very blessed in the the roads I've taken and the outcomes that have came from them. Like the when 2008 hit and then starting to do the illustrations and then getting the books done and then doing from the books, doing the TV series and then from the TV series, doing some other pieces of work and getting a home decor line and with a French company and then working with Harrods in the UK. And I'm like, I've like, if somebody had told me that when I started doing this to those are the projects I would end up on, I was like, no, you're joking. That's not possible. So it's been a journey. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. You know, I think going back to where you wanted to do stuff for yourself and the look where you are now, that's, that's awesome. So my philosophy question was, and it's really more your philosophy okay. of your of just your outlook. It feels like part of the DNA of the projects that you're working on are really about service and giving people opportunities to to learn or to be curious or to wonder. Is that is that how you would explain it? Or or when you look at a project, are you is that part of your creative process? Is like how am I going to make the world a better place with this? Or what are your th- what are your thoughts behind that? It's funny you should say that because anyone at work, anyone that follows me on LinkedIn, will see that I post a lot about sustainability. I stay away from some political things, but sustainability is I'm very passionate about. One year when I went home, Ireland, they were suffering with such a drought. They didn't know how the crops and farming was going to be impacted. And I'm like, we're so small. <laughs> we can't, you know, it's it, we can't. Droughts. The Irish salmon, all of those things, the wind farms and the, the energy turbines and stuff like that. The importance of sustainability to small countries like Ireland and third world countries who are really impacted by climate change has driven a lot of that would be part of some of the things the decisions that I make is like it has to be better, right? It has to be better. There's a better way. Like we all want to feel like what we're doing has purpose. And it's a couple of weeks ago with my company, or last week with the company, we were doing a global citizenship day and we were in UCAN in Chicago, which does a lot of work for foster kids and hosting foster kids. And it's a really amazing organization that the, the Chicago office is affiliated with. And they were going around and need to talk about the things that, you know, that we appreciated about the day and you know, that's a sm- showing up for something like that is a small act of service. But the people who choose that in their life to purposely go and help others and dedicate their lives to helping others. I have friends who are in the fire department. Uh, one of our closest friends is the, the chief in Highland Park. And when that all happened, it was, we were like just in shock. But mm-hmm. knowing the person that he is, and, and the, the, what they dedicate their lives to and having friends who are in, I have a, I have a, a very close friend who is an, um, in, in the army reservist and he's a designer in town, in the city in town, in the city, mm-hmm. working for an old agency of mine and, and he's, he's done a couple of tours and grown a horrible mustache for them. But when you listen to people who, and, and the reasons that they join the army and their beliefs and you're like, man, like you're a hero and, and you're, you're showing up and doing things that I can't do. But what can I do? Right. Because the daunting thing is that what the impact of the small thing, that like the thing I'm going to recycle isn't going to make that. And I'm like, no, it is. It is. No, it really is. 
So like not bringing bags to the store will make a change. Asking to see retailers, to like in Ireland, we don't have plastic bags. And in Ireland, we have compost bins almost in every city. And so like when I go, when I go home and I see the difference that Ireland is making in, in what they're trying to do and I, what my wish for over here, what I would love to see corporations do and like the targets and Walmarts and like decisions to get rid of plastic bags, which I will stop. No, my, my, everyone knows how I feel about it. But I'm like, it's a change that you can make. It's a personal choice you can make. I will go to the store and if I forget to bring my bags, I will just put it in the cart and then do it in the car versus mm -hmm. bringing home more plastic bags. I'm like, I know it's a small thing, but it means that I will feel less guilty about having more plastic bags, <laughs> unnecessary plastic in the house. So that's, so, yeah. that's yeah, that's, that's your personal action, which is awesome. And I think that's yeah. great. But do you have that same philosophy when it comes to your work or at least your yeah. your book projects? Yeah. Like the stuff that I, the stuff that I, the, some of the scripts that I've submitted, like I said, they're, they're driven by human insight. And a lot of the time the human insight is, is born, you know, not just joy is easy to get to, but understanding pain or hardship and purpose. Like I, you know, I had some challenges in my life as a teenager. I had some challenges in my life as a kid. And I think that uh, they are part of who we are and this, they make up who we are and we can never get rid of those scars. Those scars are always going to be there but we learn to deal with them and move on from them. And I think when we, when I think about the books that I do and stuff like that, and I think about whether it's the environment that I'm in or the culture that I'm in or the emotions that I'm feeling or the emotions my kids are feeling or difficult challenge or situation, I wanna, I wanna think that at the end of that, there's something more hopeful. And so I think a lot of the book, a lot of the, a lot of the scripts, whether they have been shared and submitted to people or still a work in progress, have that um, arc. That story arc that, you know, some people may relate to and some people are like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> that, no, that I love was, that. That's but great. I would say that a lot, of, a lot of my own personal work, like my personal work would be that. But I still find joy in many things. And so I try to make sure that there are some things that are just silly for silliness sake. So some of the <laughs> stuff that I do is just, well, yeah, sure. Draw a fish and pair of pants, Kira. Why not? Because... <laughs> that's just obscure and different and you know it, it's not serious and i think it's okay to be not serious sometimes yeah. i think it's I important mean, we need to have fun i feel like the last couple of years it's been really hard for us to be good with having fun not always yeah. but it seems like that's especially when it comes to work and messages and that sort of thing yeah so man this has been great seeing you again <laughs> and hearing about the philosophy i i think one of uh, this is a probably a, a hard question or maybe it's a lazy question i don't know we'll see how it goes what would be your ideal project have you done that yet or like if do you have an ideal project in your brain like i wish someday i could do x oh i have there is a project that i want to finish and it's it's based off of a child so my parents used to bring us around the place in Ireland all the time and there's a, a place when we visited, my, my mom used to tell us this is where the giant was, and that's his footprint. Mm. And so I've been working on a story involving a giant in Ireland, and it, it's inspired by that story. And I would love to someday, if I you know had the talent, which I don't, but I have I have the grit. <laughs> I may not have the talent, but I have the grit, and I'll figure everything else out on the way. I'd love to develop that and, and make it into a, a screenplay and, and submit it to somebody in Ireland and either get it developed as a live action or animated piece. And then I retire and spend all my money helping other people. But that's, or win the lotto. I tell every time I tell my mom, I'll win the lotto and we'll, we'll figure out how we can change the world. 
but I think that's that's you know the I think very selfishly as an illustrator or storyteller or dreamer and someone who loves movies and animation I would love to that, that would be like before I retire I'd like to do that that would be great I don't care what age I am when I achieve it but I hope I achieve it someday with enough with enough grit and drive maybe I will or else I'll run the B&B for my parents, one or the other. Uh, or else I'll get some of you think I'm really talented and hire me to run a, a big giant corporation where they tell me that I can do stuff on the side to, to drive change and purpose. And then that'll be part of something that I do. I think whatever I end up doing, it, it and, and as long as it brings me joy and I can um, do something of purpose, because that's, you know, as an art, as an artist, as a, as a parent, as a human in general, I think we just want to make sure that what we're doing is, you know, they still leave it better than you found it. <laughs> well, aside from this, sometimes you get brand work and you're like, I want to leave this better than I found it. I'm just kidding. People do great work. I'm not, I'm not knocking great work. That doesn't mean I don't have my own notions and ideas about ways to help brands. But I think when I, there's some of the brands and some of the brand work that we're seeing coming through and some of the choices that they're making and purposeful choices that they're making about how they're showing up, they're showing up with ways that they're making changes. And we need to see change um, across the board. And um, as the de- as a developed country, we need to see we need to show where you know put our money where our mouth is and really do something that of of significance for the futures to come and the generations to come to help them. And I think, from like I said, but but yes, selfishly for me, my goal in life would to have, be to have a um, film, whether animated or live action. That would be like that would be the jackpot. I think. <laughs> Which is crazy because well, no. So <clears throat> when that happens, by the way, we're putting that out. <laughs> when when it happens and it gets released at Sundance, can I have a ticket? Of course, but okay. have to. You know, you know, it's funny because they're actually there's a Chicago Irish Film Festival that my husband went down to do the photography for, and he was he it was interesting to see the Irish films that they, they you know we have our own Irish community in Chicago and they do a lot of great things and support Irish businesses and Irish culture and building the connection between the U.S. Not that it's hard to build a connection with 14 million worldwide. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just a small number for a small island, just 40 million. But the, yeah, there's about that much that claim Irish heritage in the U.S., which is a giant number. But there's a big Chicago Irish community for Irish businesses that connect the two dots between the, t- the two countries. So who knows? Who knows? Someday, man. Sundance... Maybe that's how I get to Khan. I'll, I'll end up having a film over there <laughs> instead of showing up for some brand work one year. Well, well no, but who knows? Next year could be the year I could go. I'm just, you know, big goals, man. Big goals. Yeah, I love it. It's out there. It's going to happen now. <laughs> it's looking for you, just like you're looking for it. Well, Kira, it's been way, way too long. Right. I hope sometime in the near future we could raise a pint together and celebrate you getting that thing signed or the latest book or just... <laughs> Saying hi in person as friends, that would be awesome. Keep up the work. It's so inspiring. I love your illustrations come up on on social and thank you for your time. Thank you. I really appreciate it. This was not as terrifying as I was worried it was going to be. I really wasn't sure like, what what am I going to say today? But it was um, an absolute pleasure to see you and make fun of your last name. (laughs) Oh, I love it. And then just out of curiosity, did you drink caffeine today or is this just like your normal self? it's it is it is it's it's f five it, this so this is probably it's probably because i finished a lot of work before we got on the call so i'm like i'm done <laughs> I'm, I'm done with with that piece of work for today i i no i'd say this is probably the energy i bring to conversations yes which is great when i'm on pitches 
<laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, I was I was a little sleepy when we started. Now I'm like ready to to get after it. So amped up, amped yeah. up for the evening. Yeah, huh. it's just my laugh. Or, or the fact that we're trying to understand everything that I was saying. Like, what yeah, I, I can't what do subtitles in, in podcasts, but I'll do my best. You know what I'm saying? Everyone here will be subtitles. Everyone. Damn it, you guys. Pick the one thing. I love it. Thank you, Kara, for your passion and tireless efforts to make an impact in any way you can. For more on Kara and her art and products, go to karacreative.com. C-I-A-R-A creative.com. I also want to thank Sleeping At Last for providing our show soundtrack. For more on Sleeping At Last music, please go to sleepingatlast.com or search for Sleeping At Last wherever you get your music from. Design of audio engineer Steve Wick, who loved this episode so much, he grabbed a pint of Guinness and he thought of his favorite Irish jingle. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did making it. If so, please give us a ranking on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Tell others about our show and your social of choice and stay tuned for more of season nine coming soon. Please follow us on Twitter at design of podcast and check out our site at rule29.com forward slash design of podcast. See you next episode.